Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 33 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood. I'm here along with Andrew Martin. And the uh, as we go into this uh, recording, the uh, championship series are both done. We know who's in the World Series. It's going to be the Texas Rangers versus the San Francisco Giants. Uh, the games start this Wednesday, the 27th, and they start in San Francisco, who got home field advantage, being in the National League, uh, and then at the NL finally won the All-Star game, and so that's how all that stacks up. So I'm wondering, you had said before that you didn't, well, actually, I, I can't remember exactly what your statement was last week, but you said that you were thinking that all other things being equal and you didn't have a vesting interest in rooting for an opposing AL team, your allegiance was going to go to the NL. So I'm, I'm wondering, are you going to be backing the Rangers or the Giants? Oh, Rangers, without a doubt. I, uh, you know, I thought if it was the Yankees and the Giants, I'd probably just say Giants by, like you just mentioned, uh, National League allegiance. But I do want the Rangers to win, win one for Nolan Ryan, I suppose, and, uh, you know, just go team we haven't heard much of in the last, you know, while here since pretty much A-Rod got signed. Hmm. Yeah, they, uh, I, 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 a couple of years ago I, I typed up a, sort of a list of, of, uh, success in terms of how often teams win World Series. And of course there are, uh, let's see. Eight teams that have never won a World Series, and the Rangers were at the very bottom of that list because they were one of only three teams to never make the World Series going into the year. And now that they've at least made it, they've bumped up ahead of the Nationals franchise and the Mariners franchise. Uh, so that they're kind of moving up the ladder there. And if they actually win, they're going to join the Angels. Both the Angels and Rangers uh, arrived in MLB in 1961. And they've, they will have each won one World Series, assuming the Rangers win. So that's an average of one every 50 years, which still isn't all that great, but it will reduce the amount of teams that haven't, that haven't won one. It's interesting, I, I was actually thinking about this before, that going into 2007, there were five teams that had never gone to the World Series, and now exiting 2010, all three of those all three of those five teams, all three of the ones that start with the letter R, have now reached a World Series. Rockies, Rays, and Rangers. Mm-hmm. Just one of those weird little patterns I've noticed. So, um, you know, I I think I, I brought up before that the, the Rangers, I don't know a whole lot about them. As you said, it's not just because they don't get a lot of, I guess, attention, but also because for some reason the schedulers never schedule us to play them. So uh, it, it's interesting because I feel like I'm discovering a whole new team while watching these th- th- these guys, and I've had a lot of fun watching the Rangers so far. So even if it I, – I, I feel like I probably would have been rooting for the Rangers almost regardless of what N- NL team they were facing, even if it was the Braves, who I was really interested in. Uh, or uh, Yeah, I, I, I could say it was Atlanta that – was the team I wanted to to represent the NL, but of course that didn't end up working out. So, yeah. Um, how how much attention really do you generally tend to pay to the World Series each year? And do you think that this year is going to be a little bit more significant or less significant, and why? 
Um, well, as far as me paying attention, um, yeah, just just on a on your own subjective, just, just on a level. personal basis, it's gonna be a good one to watch. Just not to say I hate the Giants anymore. It's two young teams that have you know roughly you know just a handful of a. Uh, journeymen or, or role players who've been to the World Series before. I mean, obviously Vlad Guerrero is more, a little bit more than a uh, you know just a role player, but you know he's still somewhat of a journeyman now that he has left Anaheim. Um, whereas Texas has you know Cliff Lee, obviously who's been to the World Series, mm-hmm. but uh, past that we're kind of you know a lot of question marks if you look around the team in general as to uh, you know who has postseason experience. So both teams have a lot of homegrown players, a lot of young talent, and if not homegrown, you know, results of bigger trades. For example, uh, Elvis Andrews being part of that, uh, the Mark Teixeira trade. Mm-hmm. Was, wasn't Feliz part of that as well? I don't know. I, again, anyway, I, I don't know the, his, the history of the Rangers players very well. Gotcha. Well, the point stands is, is that you have uh, two franchises, and while the Giants franchise has been to the World Series more recently, uh, I'm... 99% sure that nobody on the Giants was on the 2002 team. Mm-hmm. So, point being is you had a lot of fresh faces there. Tim Lins comes a marketable guy. Cliff Lee is a marketable guy. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of... It's just it's kind of good to see um, triumph of teams you wouldn't expect to be there be there. Much as I hate that it's the Giants and wish it was... I don't know, I guess I kind of wish it was the Padres over the Giants. I more obviously wish it was us over the Giants, but um, I guess that's kind of better than the Phillies and the Yankees. A lot of people were afraid when we entered the the CSs that it would be Phillies and Yankees. Because like I said last week, Texas can swing a bat with the Yankees, and the Giants can pitch with the Phillies, but the Phillies have the bats and the Yankees have the pitching. And the Phillies' bats didn't show up, and the Yankees' pitching didn't show up. So, yeah. Um, like the the, the Giants Phillies series is surprisingly low scoring. I mean, yeah, there's some moments in there, but you know, winning winning three to two, four to two, whatever th- games like that, and watching Roy Halladay get knocked around. Yeah, and then on the other side, you know, watching Andy Pettit get lit up, Phil Hughes get lit up, CC Sabathian. I mean, he threw the one, he threw the game five, I believe it was, very well. But his first before, game, yeah, was his first game, not not what you'd expect out of him. And that's what kind of made this such a surprising series. The two teams that I expected to lose made it. So, you know, hey, good for them. Mm-hmm. They prove me wrong. I, I think I mentioned before I had, I was I would have preferred the Phillies to go again to the Giants. Again, I'm not a huge fan of either team, and I was going to be rooting for the Rangers either way, though I also would have been rooting for the NL either way against the Yankees. So uh, I'm glad that the Rangers made it because it makes it really easy to feel good about wanting somebody to win. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm okay with wanting the AL to win. Yeah. Well, I, I, w- I, I don't really have that much of a, an allegiance to the NL specifically. I think that there are just certain teams that I would prefer to win over other teams. And I can't I, – I mean, on, on my list, you know, of – the Yankees average a World Series win every four years, which is – ridiculous because yeah. the next closest is the Marlins at 9 and if you go back to one that actually has a pretty decent sample size it's the Cardinals at a, at nearly 11 so yeah, being the second team in the uh, World Series titles number they have like what, like 13 rings something like that I I don't know the exact numbers I just calculated kind of the average years that they they, they end up doing this but when it comes to the Yankees I just for the sake of parity, I don't want them to win. I'll, I'll root for any team pretty much over them until maybe, you know, 30 years from now, maybe they'll have a little bit less of a of a hateable average there. But 
Um, when it comes to the Giants and the Phillies, I'm not really a huge fan of either team just because of uh, the actual organizations themselves. I don't like the Giants. Uh, I, I should say I don't like the – well, no, that's that's not a good way to say it either. I like the Phillies more because I feel like there are more players on the Phillies right now that I like. That's about where I stand on that, too. Um, I mean, rooting for Doc and Roy Oswald to win one was reason enough. And the good thing for them is they're going to be back next year, so there's a good chance they might have another shot at it. Maybe so. Yeah, and of course, also, when you compare the uh, organizations, the Phillies have been around just as long as the Yankees have, but whereas the Yankees average a World Series win every four years, the Phillies average one every 54 years. And they also are the first team in sports history to reach 10,000 losses. Uh So, I mean, I'm no baseball history expert, but you can tell that through a very long period of time, they were not a fantastic franchise. And even though they've had a lot of success recently, Looking at it from sort of a more macro perspective there, you can kind of, or at least I can feel a little little bit better rooting for their organization because they have struggled more. Uh, So I think that I I would have preferred Phillies uh, making it, but again, either way, I would have been going for the Rangers. So uh, I have a tweet here from John Heyman who brought up uh, this little tidbit that I didn't really think about, but, you know, the Giants traded Benji Molina to the Rangers midseason, and he pointed out that uh, it says, Benji Molina was one of the best trades all year. It helped two teams upgrade a catcher and reach the World Series. Uh, because Benji Molina has, act- has been very productive in the postseason, and so I, I don't really know how well-, how well he did for them during the regular season, but I assume it was not all that bad. Well, he did hit for a cycle. That was entertaining enough on his own. Yes. Well, he's, he's not exactly the model of a player you would expect to hit for the cycle. Uh, but yeah, hey. a Benji Molina double could be a triple for most other baseball players. So, I, I, it just goes to show you that there's all sorts of interesting little stories that go on during something like this, and I think that uh, this is just an interesting little point to bring up there. Um, Molina's still planning on retiring after the season, isn't he? I believe so, yes. Uh, well, he, he, he would have made it to the, uh, I mean, he has a chance to go out on a World Series, so I guess that, uh, that, that's as good a reason as any to consider that, though I think a lot of people were saying that they're still surprised that he is planning to do that, because apparently he still seems able to play. So, but well, he definitely has something going for him. It's it's not so much. I mean, the thing with Benjamin Molina, um, the Molina's kind of. I don't want to say it's like a David Eckstein like mystique because it's kind of a different thing. But they're known as strong defensive catchers. And just a couple of seasons ago, Benjamin Molina was able to, you know, hit somewhere like, like twenty home runs or something like that. And it's kind of created the illusion that he's still an effective baseball player. Well, the fact is, he's just kind of not. He's, he's slowed on defense. His arm's losing some accuracy. Um, he his his on base percentage is below three hundred. He's just not effective that way anymore. But he has the whole, you know, works well as a catcher, calming effect on young pitchers, especially Latin pitchers. La da la da da. And then the reputation of the Molinas to go off of. So, I mean, there's, there's going to be some sort of demand for him, whether it's as a full-time starter, which I'm doubting it will be, or, well, I shouldn't say that because, well, I guess maybe Brian Sabian's the last person who really wanted him, but, you know, some pitching staff will benefit from him if uh, he so chooses to stay in Major League Baseball. Right. Um, 
Hmm. I'm trying to think of any other angles we can approach here. Let's see. Um, here's something we can talk about. What did you think of the uh, dramatics there that happened in that last Philadelphia-San Francisco game when uh, Chase Utley got hit with a pitch and tossed the ball back to Jonathan Sanchez? I was curious because I didn't really see the play and I didn't understand what anyone was all so fussy about. Well, in a tight uh, series like like it was, you know, um, a three two a three two Giants lead on a sa- on the game, you know, in Game Six of the series, and two teams both fighting for the World Series, tensions are gonna be high there. Jonathan Sanchez is a young, fiery, attitude filled player, but it's kind of surprising that Chase Utley would react in any fashion, really. Because well, Utley's always been kind of a model of being a good citizen. What he did didn't really strike me as hostile, though. I mean, he didn't, he, like, he didn't like, throw the pitch back at him. He soft-tossed it. Well, still, why would you even do that? Well, it was That's in his sort of way. It, he bounced right back to him. I mean, I guess... I, my, my point is more, if you're the batter, unless you're just, like, picking the ball up and handing it to the catcher to throw it back to the pitcher, you just leave it alone... I mean, your your job right at that point is to hit the ball, and I'm not trying to. I'm not really getting on Utley's case so much as I'm just saying, why why would you just not ignore it? Be 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 the consummate professional there and just pretend it didn't. I mean, you know, just go on with it and don't do anything at all. I mean, Jonathan Sanchez needed to definitely, you know, take a break, you know, pour some cold water on on his head, something like that. But I mean. I just, it was just a weird situation, because when's the last time you saw a batter throw the ball back to the pitcher? Not very I mean, often. I, I absolutely agree. Whether hostile or no. I mean, you just never see it happen, and to happen at such a big, tension-filled stage, I mean, it, it, it's just weird. That's about the best I could put it. I mean, I wish Utley hadn't done anything. I wish Sanchez wasn't such a, you know, fiery temper or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it got him pulled. Which is funny because that was supposed to be the Phillies' big opportunity to win, and they couldn't do it after the starter got pulled after three. Uh huh. Which was the biggest deal there. So I mean, really, I, I, it was just probably an, it would just seem to be an awkward moment in high tension that became more hostile than necessary because of the high tension. It's just one of those things to me, being the type of person I am. It does. It it wouldn't strike me as something to get to get fiery about. But then again, I'm not in their mindset at all. So. Uh, you, you know, I don't see anything wrong with what Utley did from a distant perspective, but I, I no, guess wrong's not the word I'd use. Just unusual, because typically, like I said, all the rules of thumb and the unwritten rules is just you know let the pitcher and catcher handle the ball unless you're just you know taking your bat and kind of knocking the ball that's you know out of the, the batting batter's box back to the catcher so he can throw it back. Uh huh. And, I, and we've seen people do that before, and uh, I I've, I know I've seen many times a batter. If the ball bounces like away from the plate, then there's no reason for it to be in play or anything. The batter will walk over and pick it up and toss it back to the catcher. So, uh, no, I, I I agree it was awkward. It was just didn't strike me as something. But I, I realize also that Sanchez was not pitching well, and he was probably already frustrated with the way things were going at the time. Um. I, I can't remember all the predictions you made earlier. How close were you in terms of the, the championship series stuff? Um, as far as getting there, I called, uh, I missed on Minnesota, called uh, San Francisco, and then uh, I was expecting Philadelphia, and I, I, called, I called Philadelphia as well, and I called um, New York. I, I, ble- I, I picked Texas in seven, 
and then dead, but I missed on New York, obviously. Right. Then I going forward, I I can't remember what I called now because I, I know that I uh, wanted Texas to win, but I figured the Yankees would probably overpower them. But I think I called them in a surprise fashion, like, "Oh, they're going to magically do it in seven. Well, so they didn't. They didn't even need seven. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. I'm. Uh, I think what you said was something along the lines of. You you wanted Texas to win, but you thought New York was going to win, or you thought there was a very good chance, quote unquote, something Which like that. Which sounds like gonna... what I would say. Yeah, um, a nice little uh, way to chicken out by saying who I want to win <laughs> and who I think is going to win. But uh, I I know at the time we were both worried that there was going to be a uh, uh, an, 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 another chance for the Yankees to go for it. So. Yeah. Uh, that was certainly, I mean, not just the Rangers, but any of the AL teams, if they were in that position, taking out the Yankees would have been satisfying. And I know I often throw fits about having the Rays uh, win because I hold on to the idea of not wanting to be the least successful uh, uh, 90s expansion team, although we kind of already are. Uh, but that doesn't have to last. I mean, if we were to win a World Series, we would, I would say we would be carried ahead of them. But, you know, that's just a personal decision, and I would be very happy with even the Rays taking out the Yankees if that were to happen. So uh, I guess that goes to show you just how much I really don't care for the Yankees. <laughs> I will sacrifice all my personal preferences about who to win as even as long as they... Uh, take out the Yankees in the process. Well, the thing is, I don't really I just don't care about the Yankees. I mean, yes, they are a force to be reckoned with, but I just, I, th- I think they're, it's like trying to hate a hurricane, you know? It, they're just kind of a force of nature. They're a known commodity. You know what they're going to do. It's, it's almost boring. That's why I don't like the Yankees, because they're boring. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like me playing sim baseball. I mean, when I settle on easy or whatever, the the, the GM on the other teams makes stupid trades, and I end, I, I end up with like this just monstrous team that destroys baseballs, and that's kind of what it comes down to. Do you have any examples of stupid trades that are made in your sim league? Oh, gosh. I remember. I, I can't remember who exactly I traded. Actually, let me see if I can find that real quick, because I know that I was able to steal most of uh, the Padres' bullpen. At least the, at least the, <laughs> let's see. History, because uh, Luke Gregerson is the closer in the year 2016, but he's been with the organization a little longer than that. I got him and Joe Thatcher in the same trade, and... Uh, Let's see. Who'd you Come give on. him? Let's see. I traded... Yeah, this made no sense. Matt Merton for Dustin McGowan, Clayton Richard, and Joe Thatcher. <laughs> as, and, and Luke Gregerson. It was one of the... And, and it, it just... I, I didn't... Like, when I used to play, like, the old uh, out-of-the-park 6.5, there was, you could set it on commissioner mode, and then just, like, force trades or give yourself more money. And I had a Rockies team that won like 140 games or just something absolutely stupid like that. And I, I didn't I didn't cheat with it too much or I didn't set everyone to be uber supermen. But what, like the, one of the ways the game goes is that players will regress and, and develop into their own skill sets, sometimes develop past their skill sets and or regress suddenly when they're prospects, things like that. And so what I would do is I would keep an eye out for anyone who fell apart and then um, fix them back up to where they were roughly. So... I ended up with Superman Franklin Morales, who won 300 games and went to the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> right, I Superman, remember you Superman mentioned Superman Greg that. Reynolds, who stayed healthy his entire career, and I don't think he won 300, but he was a it was a pretty disgusting one-two punch. You know, I, I well, you know, I'd mess with my finances of the games. Like, you don't have any money left. I'm like, oh really? Well, the owner's writing a Blake check. <laughs> Here's 40 million. Go have some fun in free agency. Stuff like that. And I mean, it's it's 
it, it's easy enough to maintain a pretty uh, good model of how to make a successful franchise. You grow your own players, you trade them off for different players, you leverage prospects and existing major leaguers to get younger, better players, and so on and so forth. And right now, in the year 2016, the Rockies are 58-26, and 26, and uh, uh, we have... Uh, like, Brian Matus is in my rotation. Um, what do I have here? Uh, I'll, I'll keep this brief because everyone's getting bored pretty quick here. But uh, Jake Turner, he used to, I think, I believe he was a big prospect of the Tigers right now in real life. Uh, James Italian, who was just a first-round pick for the Pirates. Brian Matus, who uh, was up there in Rookie of, the Year, Rookie of the Year Award voting for the American League. And some made-up guy named Wong. I think, I can't remember if Deck McGuire's real or not. I got him from Cleveland. And then Juan Gonzalez, who just kind of randomly came up. Notable names in my bullpen. Sam DeDuno hung around as a relief pitcher. Luke Gregerson. Joe Thatcher. And George Sherrill. I just traded for him because I needed another lefty, I think. Ah. Okay. So, yeah, super exciting stuff. I know. <laughs> you know well, no, I, I, I'm intrigued by it. I mean, I don't really know how all these things work. But I, I am very amused by your trade. And, uh... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, well, my point was in this game is that I never cheated for it. They just offered it to me. I, I, I said, hey, I'm looking to trade Matt Merton because there's absolutely no room for him with Dexter Cargo, uh, you know, Hops, Philly. And Philly was actually a beast for a while in there, too. But having those guys there, I was like, I have no room for Matt Merton, but I want him in the majors somewhere. Let's get some value out of him. And then I just kept adding players to the trade, and, and, and the potter's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. And, yeah, okay, that's good. That's good. And my... And, and, and uh, my advisor is watching, going, "Are you kidding? They're doing this. Take it." I'm like, "Let's add another player." No, you fool! <laughs> oh, they took it. Oh, go for that. Go for that. It's just a little computer boy saying, "Yeah, this is a fair trade." And it's like, "This is a pretty good trade to me. I would accept it if they'll go for it." I'm like, "Yeah, no kidding. I just took their bullpen." Yeah, and so, yeah, so, so I mean, half the guys I trade for get bounced anyways. But no, that, that's enough about my sim baseball. There, just. uh I wish we could pull off some video game trades in real life, really. I mean, maybe we should deal with the Cubs more. Um, I don't know how much more there is to talk about on the World Series, but we've still got about ten minutes left before we've got a full session. So you were mentioning Greg Reynolds in your uh, uh, thing there about how he was doing very well for you, or he, he, he had a good career. Um, this isn't a past game I played, but yeah, Greg Reynolds somehow survived. I think I boosted his talents up higher than the game did, though. Well, we we haven't talked a lot about Greg Reynolds on the podcast. We we've brought him up a couple times. We had that minor league uh, session we did a couple, uh, about a month ago, I think. But at the same time, Reynolds is currently in the Arizona Fall League, and he's had two pretty good starts so far. And this is after sort of, I mean, it wasn't a a brilliant year, but it was a just certainly a bounce back year because he was he was healthy for the most part, and aside from the first couple months, he he was pretty effective, and he is uh, one of those guys, and and I don't want to get too into the crazy transactions nerdage here, but who will get a fourth option year because he missed an entire season of pro ball, hurt. Um, oh, is that cumulative, or does it have to be over one solid year? What do you mean? Like, if he has missed a whole season of of cumulative, like if he misses a third of a season, a third, okay. of, a season, a third of a season, do you have fourth option year, or does no. it have to be taker or uh, what's the word? Wire to wire. He, he the definition is kind of complicated, and I don't know it by heart. But the idea is that 
you don't expend an option if you spend less than or yeah, if you spend less than ninety days on an active professional roster. Really? Yeah, which means oh. it's done by season, but if you are are on the okay, well it gets even more complicated because DL time is technically quote unquote active time because you're paid for it and you get service time for it if it's if you're on a major league roster. But the DL only counts after a certain point in towards an option year. If you're on the minor league DL for uh a certain amount of time, then it doesn't necessarily count towards your uh, professional time unless you've already accumulated a certain a certain amount of time before it. So because Greg Reynolds last year made one start and then was hurt the entire season, it didn't count as a pro season. And therefore, because he has less than five, he gets an extra option year. Um, which is good because he'd be out if we uh, uh, didn't get that. So as I understand it, he should be able to be optioned again next year. And so, but going back to what to his uh, actual status, I, I think that it's important to keep an eye on him because even though he's been hurt in some of the silliest ways possible and so often, and also because he was called up so quickly and kind of fell off the map after getting basically, you know, slapped around out of the majors when he was just called up in, like, his second or third professional year. Uh, 2008, I guess, it was his third, right? He was drafted in 06? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so, you know, I, I, I know he's kind of become a running joke, even with me, but I'm kind of intrigued all of a sudden. You know, going into 2010, at the beginning of the year, I had the... I, I was still figuring out how all these option years work, and all, all the exceptions. I mean, basically everybody knows now how the basic system works. You're supposed to have three by default, and you know, multiple multiple times a year it goes by the year and all that stuff. But I had thought that he was going to be out, and I thought there was just absolutely no way he was going to make the 2011 team, which is true still. But at the same time, I think that uh, realizing now that we can keep him around without exposing him to waivers. Uh, he might be somebody to think about when we start looking ahead into a couple of years from now. But, of course, at the same time, thinking through our pitching staff, you know, Aaron Cook is really going to be the only one who's leaving any time in the near future. Uh, and, of course, I'm not taking into account what's going to happen with De La Rosa or anything like that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of going through my head. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on on Reynolds, and if you think he'll still be any sort of valuable asset, or or even if there's a, a chance, or do you think that he really is past any sort of contribution to uh, the organization? Um. Well, it's funny. I'll I'll, I'll mention sim baseball again because it's funny. But I uh, had Greg Reynolds in the system still, and uh, I brought him up because I lost the starting pitcher during September, so he made a few starts. And he was actually very effective. Didn't walk too many guys. Struck a decent number of them out. Which, which is which is not really his game. Striking people out. That's. Well, uh, I, say, I just mean he basically posted a respectable strikeout to walk ratio. Right. And uh, so by doing that, um, he got, earned himself a spot in the postseason roster. So like two innings into the first postseason game he plays, I think he was actually in relief. Came in for a relief appearance and got hurt. Ah. Uh-huh. 
and that was effectively the end of his career with the Rockies. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> that, that that made me laugh. I think I tried bringing him back, but he just he went back to being completely ineffective. Mm. But no, one thing to think about is uh, well, I guess it's not even a really good thing to think about there because it's kind of silly. But um, when I think of you know failed starters. Uh, I, I don't believe that uh, Greg Reynolds was ever really of the caliber of a guy like Cliff Lee. And we think about Cliff Lee, remember, we're talking about uh, um, Cliff Lee then, not Cliff Lee now. Because Cliff Lee now is a wizard. I'm pretty sure he actually uses magic on the mound. But uh, when it comes to Greg Reynolds, Cliff Lee is a fourth-round pick. He was drafted originally by Baltimore in the 20th round, and they turned him down. And then he was picked up by Cleveland in the fourth round um, after college. He um, had kind of a tumultuous beginning of his career. He was up for uh, two starts in 2002, up for, uh, let's see, was it nine starts in 2003, pitched a full season in 2004, full season in 2005, and 2006. So at least there's somewhere, you know, something to go off of there. He has some serious time in the majors. But then all of a sudden, 2007 came around. He got sent down to work on mechanics, fell apart, terrible, learned to cutter. Came back up in 2008 and went 22 and three with a 2.54 ERA and over 223 innings pitched. Hmm. So I'm not literally saying that this is what's going to happen with Greg Reynolds because that Certainly. was foolhardy. Yeah, because Cliffley's problem has never really been being hurt, just so much as trying to figure things out. I mean, he, when he first came up and then he stuck in the majors for two full seasons, he looked kind of to be like you know a good number three pitcher, kind of guy like that, maybe number two on a poor pitching staff, nothing overwhelming. Never struck too never struck too many guys out. I mean, never walked too many guys either, which is the good thing. But definitely a respectable pitcher. And uh, but then all of a sudden, I mean, holy mackerel, two thousand eight comes along, and he just he, he had it all put together. So if we could get anything out of Greg Reynolds, if he could just stay healthy, if he could just stay healthy, there's hope for him. But I mean, honestly, I'm—I mean, I'm going to be the pragmatist here, and I hate to be sometimes, but I just don't think Reynolds has anything going for him. Mm-hmm. If he can keep it together, I mean, maybe, maybe he'll make it into the bullpen at some point. But I just don't see it happening. I mean, it's a bummer of uh, you know, because this is the point where someone will bring up just to think we could have had Evan Longoria or Tim Lincecum. Yes, I know we could have had them. This is, I mean, we could have had Albert Pujols at one point too, but we didn't. So yeah. Um, bad picks sometimes happen, you know, and it's and a pisser, but I, I, I just kind of cash it in and say, you know what, that sucks, but, well, best of luck to you, Greg Reynolds. We also feel a lot better about it now that we've had two drafts in a row that have been ranked as, like, the best in the National League. Uh, so we've been much better with our drafting system recently. Uh, well, let's see what the difference has been rather than simply... Um, well, the problem was, one of the problems was that the organization was drafting out of areas of need rather than just taking the best available players, which is a major no-no. Because if you say, oh, we need, we're going to need a third baseman in a few years here, yeah, well, you have no idea what this third baseman is going to turn out to be. You just pick the best talent available. If it ends up being a guy you can't use, you trade him, you convert him, you do something with him, and then make it work from there. You don't go and say, oh, we need a third baseman. Let's draft a third baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been one thing that they've been they've done much wiser over the last few years is just pick the best available in the forms of Matzik and, the, and Friedrich and uh, uh, Parker and Tago this year. It, it's been 
Well, refreshing might not be the right word, but just positive to see them doing smart things in that. In that sure. Part. Yeah, I, I certainly remember back when I was first getting into the team, and people were always telling me how terrible a pick Greg Reynolds was. <laughs> and so it's nice to not really have to worry about that so much anymore. And, of course, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of other players emerge. I see people starting to get panicked about Friedrich after one year of, of off of injuries and stuff, but I, I'm still not worried about him. He's been so good throughout the minors so far that we were expecting him to just remain super-duper-duper for the entire time he was in the minors and then burst onto the scene of the majors and be the best thing since sliced bread. And Well, that doesn't usually happen. I mean, mm-hmm. usually everyone's going to go through their trials, and yeah. So, it, it, it just took him a little longer to get to his. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glad they're here so that they're happening you know, where they are rather than Oh, hey, welcome to the majors, kid. Oh, wait, you kind of suck. What happened? Oh, you weren't quite ready yet. Oh, hey, what's up, Greg Reynolds? Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, when it comes to Friedrich, we, we I still don't, I mean, I don't know how much it set him back. I don't think it really set him back too much. But he's still, I mean, he, he isn't Rule 5 eligible, so there's not a lot of uh, worry about forcing him onto the roster this, this off season no, or anything like that. So, um, anyway, we're at... Uh, we're at 32 minutes, which is a good average length. So, I don't know if you think uh, if you can think of any other World Series notes or draft pick notes or any other stuff you want to go over. Well, nothing really I can think of as far as the draft goes. World Series wise, I mean, obviously the stories to be watching will be: um, Will the Rangers be able to pull anything that's not named Cliff Lee up to you know shut down the Giants? And uh, will the Giants, you know, not suspicious, but their timely hitting continue the way it has been? What was that? Hello? Sorry, what was that? Well, I dropped my, my headset fell off. Okay, you said that, and then there's this giant, like, thumping sound. <laughs> okay, well, on that note of hilarity... um. Remember, everyone, that the, the the World Series starts on Wednesday. You guys should watch. You should, I think, you should pull for the Rangers, but pull for whoever you want, I guess. And uh, after the World Series is over, I mean, it's probably it's probably not going to be over in a week's time. But it 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 let's see, the, it's possible if if somebody gets up three games and and wins in four that uh, they that the the series ends a week from now. And uh, if you guys read my free agency article, uh, the, if, if you were one of the four people, <laughs> um, you should uh, know that the uh, free agents this year are going to be departing the rosters. Uh, a little earlier than usual. Normally it's 15 days after the World Series ends, but they, they the unions changed it to five days. So five days after the World Series is over, uh, all the off-season transactions begin and all that sort of stuff. So that obviously excites me, but uh, it'll it'll be the time when th- th- there's probably a bit more to talk about re- regarding our team than uh, there is now. So... Um, on that note, I think everything's about wrapped up. On behalf of myself and Andrew, we'll see you next week. Take care.